Broadcasting before and probably after the rapture. It's the Drew Marshall Show. to keep it together right now. <laughs> At age 13, Lisa Welchel's first professional acting experience was as a mouseketeer for Walt Disney's The New Mickey Mouse Club. But of course, Lisa is perhaps best known for her starring role as Blair Warner on NBC's The Facts of Life for nine years. Her first book, Creative Correction, sold over 200,000 copies. But then uh, she went on to write over a dozen more books, including Facts of Life and Other Lessons My Father Taught Me, The Adventure of Christmas... Uh, the Busy Mom's Guide series, and her most recent, Friendship for Grown-Ups. You and I should probably read that, eh, Tim? Friend- I can't read, man. Friendship for Grown-Ups? Yes. With a goal to refresh and equip other mothers, she is the founder of Mom Time Ministries and Personal Mom Coaching. Lisa is an international speaker and has toured with Women of Faith, Extraordinary Women, and Women of Joy. Lisa's latest adventure, of course, though, was participating on season 25 of CBS's Survivor Philippines. She tied for second place, and she won the Sprint Player of the Season, as awarded by the fans of the show. And now she doesn't have to work Saturdays, because, you know, she made a lot of money. So she can listen uh, listen to our show each and every Saturday, talk to us, lisawelchill.com. That's her singing in the background, folks. I don't know if you realize that or not. Lisa, what a great singing voice you have. Drew, you know, you really ran a big risk opening with that because I, I almost hung up but then I decided to actually it'd be better just to go put some big shoulder pads on and fluff up my hair and just you know go with it just go back to the 80s for a minute play a little air guitar while I'm on the phone with you that was a shocker Lisa oh my gosh you know everybody starts the interviews with me with the facts of life theme song but not very many people start with uh, my album so I'll, I'll hand it to you how to win friends and influence people. That's what I'm all about <laughs> right there. I know that you, this is one of the reasons I like you. I mean, everyone says you're pretty, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. But one of the reasons I like you is because you can actually make fun of yourself. And I'm referring quite clearly to not only that song we just listened to, but your YouTube channel, which has only one video on it. <laughs> Could you please describe to our viewers, I mean, our listeners <laughs> on radio... What happens well, in that I'm video? Your listeners have an imagination, so they can also be your viewers. Please tell us what the heck was going on. You did a Marie Osmond. Is that really? Oh, did she fall there and dancing with the stars or something? Yeah, she passed out. But I'm. I, oh no, no, I didn't actually. Well, I, you know what? I I may have been on my way to passing out because, okay, the backstory is it was the very last, uh, the very last event I was going to do with Women of Faith, and it was in this. This huge arena, I think there were like 25,000 people in the, middle, in the middle of the whole arena, and I had been challenged by one of my friends to let the Mick Jagger come out in me every once in a while. And, and, and let me just emphasize the word challenged, okay? Yes, yeah, the challenge. And you know, you, anybody who knows me, you know you don't throw down a challenge to me. <laughs> and so 
she actually sent a picture to me to put on my iPhone to remind me that there was an inner Mick Jagger that she hadn't seen come out in a while. And it was this picture of Mick with this long blonde wig on. So at the very end of the event of Women of Faith, the last thing we do is Mandisa gets up and sings the song Shackles. So in the past, I would get up and just do the total, you know, white girl dance, you know, <laughs> slapping on two and four and just, you know, just pretty self-contained. This time I decided, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to dance like Mick Jagger. I'm going to have some moves like Jagger. So I got up, and at one point, I don't know what happened. Some of the past Pentecostal in me or something just t- took over. I threw my hands up in the air, started moving my feet back and forth, and I'm thinking perhaps what happened was the blood just ran uh-huh. all out of my head and down into my legs until I realized I was moving forward and was not going to be able to stop and could very well just slide right off the stage and pretty much face-planted just right there on the stage. It was and somebody, of course, did happen to have their iPhone filming it and uh, then put it on a loop. And I figure, you know, can't beat them, join them. So I posted it on my YouTube channel. Ladies and gentlemen, on the phone with the one and only Lisa Welchel. She is a mover and a groover like no other. I've never seen a woman do the white man's overbite like Lisa Welchel. Unbelievable stuff. <laughs> uh, Grammy nominated even Lisa Welchel. That's, uh, that's kind of a shock right there yeah totally a shock and pretty ridiculous actually i think it was just that there were so very few possibilities in the category of inspirational (laughs) performance which is basically a celebrity that's a christian that records an album yeah yeah (laughs) there were not a lot to choose from i made it in right under the wire lisa you were one of my first guests back in the early days of this show i think it was 2005. So can you just give us a summary <laughs> of what's different about Lisa Welchel now as compared to 2005? Oh my goodness. Uh, it would be very difficult to even find one thing that is alike that was in 2005. This so is pretty it. much, you know, take that interview, take anything I said, yep. and just flip-flop it to the opposite, and that's pretty much where I am. I was fishing for exactly what you just said. There's a part of me that wondered... Because, look, we we know, you know, you're a public person. We know that there's some things that kind of happen in your life. And, look, I didn't watch Survivor. I'm, I can't get sucked into a series of anything. I just I don't have the time to, to watch series of, of, you know, shows. And, besides, I was prepping for our own Survivor contest at the time. We had a little thing on our show called Soul Survivor, where five religious tribes compete for the soul of one person. Oh, you know what? That is, that's reality radio right there, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So I brought in leaders from Tribe Muslim, Tribe Mormon, Tribe Jesus, and Graham Lotz. I've become a a friend over the years, and I know you know her because you hang out in that crowd. And Tribe Hare Krishna, they all kind of did their pitch for this this lady that I'd met at the Hare Krishna temple when I was visiting the, uh, their leader. And she came in, and she was a very open person, very interested to hear everything, and uh, it was fantastic. But not as riveting, not as riveting as Little Miss Perfect, Episode 9 on Survivor uh, Philippines. Can you explain to me why Episode 9 was called Little Miss Perfect, Lisa? Uh, Yeah, I think it was because I came face-to-face with what I didn't realize was the reason subconsciously I wanted to play Survivor, and that was because I had pretty much tried to live my life as Little Miss Perfect, and 
there was this other part of me that just was dying to get out and be bad and to not be Little Miss Perfect. And so I found a way to do that within the context of this show, Survivor, where because the, it was a game, because the, the rules were, you know, outwit, outlast, outplay, then that part of me that was very, very present within me, the part of me that really did want to knock somebody else out to get ahead, that really did want to just uh, talk about people behind their backs in order to make people like me more or betray just to get what I wanted, those things that I would not allow with my, within myself to come out in everyday life, and yet they were just begging to come out, and Survivor was a perfect place for me to do that. But I did, what I didn't realize was... Uh, how difficult it would be to um, to be all of me and not just the acceptable parts of me. Okay, since I didn't watch the series, let me summarize what I think I know, okay? It kind of goes like this. You go into the Philippines. By the way, we, can, we can't talk about the Philippines without saying, oh my goodness, please pray for the Philippines uh, this week. Especially, I mean, having spent so much time there and have seen... Uh, uh, the houses there could have been blown over by a sneeze, and so it, it's it's so pervasive. And yet the smiles on the faces, it, and and it's because I went through so much and just inside my heart while I was on the island, the smiles of the people of the Philippines uh, were such a gift to me that it really has. Um, it's been really hard to watch the news this week. I can imagine. I really can. I really can. Okay, so here's here's the summary that I can kind of come up with. You go on the show, it's probably some kind of a bucket listy thing. You're a super fan. You're 49 at the time, I think. Um, yes, I said your age. At the start of the show, you were kind of quiety. Quiety? That's not a real word. You were, quiety, I love that word. Yeah, you were sort of an outsider. You didn't want to let people know you were the TV child star thing. And then you started getting emotional and sucky. And uh, Quiety and sucky. What a terrible combination. <laughs> Really? And then your brother came on, kicked you in the butt, you ramped it up, you shifted a few gears, and next thing you know, you tied for second, you won the Everyone Loves You Award, walked away with a hundred grand that you've now invested into uh, uh, Dovetail, the band. <laughs> I have not invested any money other than to buy, download my son's album on iTunes, which you can get on <laughs> iTunes nowadays to all your audience. Nice segue. Was that pretty much it? And you had this you had this dilemma about can I be a conniving, you know, jerk, for lack of a better word, and uh, and still be little Miss Jesus girl at the same time. And your brother came on and said, "Come on, you know," and kind of helped walk you through that justice. My brother was the perfect person to show up at that time because he got it from both sides. Yep. In that um he we are both gamers. I've had a game club in my home since uh, my kids were little. Um, we played games growing up, and so he understood that competitive side of me that wanted to, you know, just to out-strategize and to outplay these people and win this game. But he's also a pastor here. He understands my sense of really uh, pervasively wanting to be a reflection of God's love and who he is so that people can be, will be drawn to him. And yet, uh, those two things are, are just a little bit in conflict uh, on Survivor. Just a little and bit. So he was somebody that understood both sides and could say, Lisa, come on. This is a game. You came out here to play this game. If you're going to do something, do it 100%. Don't half do it. And that's all I needed to hear to just uh, put the pedal nice. to the metal and make it to the end. Now, Jeff Probst, how do you say his name? Probst? Probst? Yes. 
I don't know. Whatever. Jeff, the guy from Survivor, thought you were too old for the show. Well, he did think I was too old for the show as much as he thought that, that would, uh, I would get voted out quickly because of that. Because in the first part of the game, it's just so many intense physical challenges right. that you need to have your strongest players in order to keep your, your tribe strong. But the challenges are half physical, half mental. And so they always put me on the puzzles. And so I, it was, once they realized I was good for keeping around because I could do puzzles, and <laughs> then uh, I, they, I showed my strength in other ways. That's, it's always good to have in your lava life, your Christian Mingle profile, good at puzzles. <laughs> but apparently, even though Jeff, you know, kind of was talking about the, you know, maybe she's too old to kind of really rock the Survivor thing, you weren't too old to co-host his show, sort of. I mean, were you the reason it got canceled, Lisa? Thank you so much. No, let me just point out that I left the show before it was canceled. Oh. And maybe that's the reason it got canceled. Let's, oh. it. Let's spin it that way. Whatever. <laughs> Did you know that Jeff was ordained as a minister by the Universal Life Church? I did, yes, I, I, I did, and he, and he has promised that if I ever remarry, he will remarry me, and so. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering if you and he, you know, went toe-to-toe on spiritual conversation-y stuff. No, I, I got to say, had we gone toe-to-toe on that kind of thing, it probably would have lasted about 30 seconds, so no. Oh, okay, moving along. Oh, here's, here's something that I think is true, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong. I know you'll, you'll do that, Lisa. All the crying was really for your new sizzle reel, right? Because now that all the kids are in their 20s, you've moved back to L.A., and you've thrown your hat back in the, in the, into the game, and, and you're, you're, you're out there, and you're loving every minute of it. You are crying on Survivor just for the agents to see it. Oh, you caught me. I want to do comedy, but I need to show that I can bring up that emotion from deep within and, do, and win the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Man, apparently I wasn't a good enough actress to fool you, though. I thought you were amazing on it, and very well done, but I didn't watch much of it, so I can't say any more. Let's talk about this uh, this uh, exercise DVD. You and Jane Fonda? Uh, no, actually, one of my dearest and closest friends, Janice Clark. We, um, And that's the only reason I would have done it, is to do it with her and for her and by her, because I, on the other hand, am so not qualified to do an exercise video, unless the only qualification is... You hate doing, you hate exercising, and your idea of exercising is putting a DVD in and sitting on the couch and eating some chips and watching it in your yoga yes. pants. Yes, and I have some hot yoga pants. I really do. Uh, <laughs> I really don't want that visual, right? No, no I was, no. was going to follow that up with the phrase lift and separate, but I think that was an old commercial. From you were the Lulu Watermelon brand. That was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Now, let's talk about the Tyler Perry Christmas movie that you're in. Uh, that opens December 13th, and Tyler Perry doing it again. How many movies has he done with uh, Mama or whatever it is? What's the name of the character? Medea. That's it. Yeah. Um, do you, tell me about your, your role in this movie. Um, you know what? I'm kind of... Um Unfortunately, I don't get to be one of the funny, one of the funny characters. Oh. I'm more of a straight person. So, but I got to laugh a lot at Tyler Perry and with Tyler Perry. And when I watched the screening of it, it really is very, very funny. Good, good. Well, folks, uh, keep an eye on that one and support Lisa's family. Now that your kids are all in their 20s, though, has your identity taken a hit? Because when my kids hit their 20s, uh, I had a son who used to live in Australia. He went back for a chunk. I fell apart. Um, my son's moved out, he's getting married, he's engaged, my daughter's a hairdresser, you know, they're all in their 20s. They don't need me anymore, Lisa. My identity was wrapped up in being needed as a father. Now what? 
You know, I can't say that I uh, can relate to that story. Oh. I, I've, okay. My kids are 21, 22, and 23, and um, I, I mean, I didn't quite throw a party when the last one flew uh, out of the nest, but bye. I had my bye, Clancy. little party bye. that didn't have to know about. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Uh, now, uh, the, uh, Tucker, he's still rocking the guitar. I'm assuming you don't give him any more timeouts or spankings or hot sauce? <laughs> no, although I think uh, uh, <laughs> that's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's going to write a song called Hot Sauce. You know he is. Well, and, and hopefully you will play it for your listeners. Oh, I so will. Um, Haven, is she still you? Is she still strong and bossy and a dominating leader? Now, wait a minute. You don't know me that well, Drew. Whatever. <laughs> you know what? Haven Haven has also changed quite a bit. She In the beginning, Haven and Clancy were, uh, I, I remember thinking, I didn't name them correctly because Haven was so fiery and Clancy was just, just so compliant. Hmm. But they truly have grown into their names. And Haven has settled it down. She's married. She's a women's director at a... A uh, new church. Wow. Her husband is a worship pastor, and then Clancy, Clancy's the fiery one. She's the one that uh, she wanted to pursue acting. I told her she could not live with me until she finished, uh, got a college degree. So she hunkered down and finished four years of college in two years, and she's moving out here in January to pursue acting. So she has grown into Clancy, which means child of a, a redheaded warrior. You were not thrilled with her wanting to get into the acting thing when she was younger, but now she's. You're okay with that, though. You signed off on it. You know, when they when they hit this certain age, what do you do? You kind of let them be the who they are. Yeah. Um, no, I would not allow any of my children to even consider pursuing acting when no. they were young. It's just a lose lose situation, and there's too many. Too, you know, I wouldn't play those odds in Vegas. Uh, for, when, how child stars show up. Well, you, know, you, you, heard, you heard it here first on the Drew Marshall Show, Lisa Welchel Gambles, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, but only if the odds are good. Okay. <laughs> Homeschooling, would you do it again? Oh, absolutely, in a heartbeat. Okay. Yeah, uh, it was, I don't think homeschooling's for everybody, you know, at all. Okay. Um, but it was perfect for our family for, for different reasons. It was, it, was, it was a wonderful experience for all of us. Being um, pastor's wife, would you do it again? Oh, I don't think so. No, probably not. Now, that, I mean, what, what does that answer mean? Everyone wants to know. Does that mean Lisa won't get married again? Does that mean Lisa won't marry a pastor again? Does I mean, what does that mean, Lisa? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what Lisa will do, but uh, <laughs> I'm think, um, I would be surprised if, if Lisa married a pastor. Mm-hmm. Can I ask why? Okay, hold on. Before I get into the whole, because, you know, look, last year was crazy for you. It was one of the most intense years you've ever had in your life. Was it not 2012? Yes. Yeah. So, in interviews, do people ask you about the divorce? Have you written about the divorce? Have you talked openly about the divorce? Can I ask you about the divorce, or would you rather I not ask you about the divorce? Or can you just say the word divorce 55 times? (laughs) (laughs) Just it that way. Pretty much talked about the divorce. Just okay. The All right. Let's move along. <laughs> no, I don't. No, of course it's it's who I am. It's where I am. It's life, and um, so I am. I don't. I try not to avoid life in all of its parts. Okay. And, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't written about it, but I haven't written a book in a while. Right. I do talk about it when I uh, when I speak at live events, and. Um, 
It depends on the interview. You know, I was actually on 100 Huntley Street last month, and they asked if I would talk about the divorce in the interview, and I did say I would rather not because it's not just my story. It's, mm. you know, it's, it, there's two people involved here, and it's not really fair to, um, you know, to share a story that's not all yours, and it never does. It, it, you can't cover it in an interview. It's too complicated. It's too yeah. complex. But within the context of a, of a time of speaking, and um, I, I, do, I do talk a little bit about it. I had Gary Chapman on a couple of weeks ago, and a few years ago I had Amy Grant on. And, uh, you know, they both handled their interviews really, really well. Of course, they'd had time to think about it and process it and how we're going to talk about things. But let me just maybe ask you one question, which isn't really about the divorce. It has more to do with um, your understanding of how God interacts with us. So the last time you and I spoke on the show, you told me that God let you know that Steve was the man he wanted you to marry because of a lot of coincidences. Do you still think that all those coincidences were God? Great question. A very, very valid question. Um, I can't answer it directly. I will say two things that sound opposing, but isn't that life? Uh, when I look back, um, I don't look back with regret, and I see um, too much of the hand of God throughout my marriage and the fruit of, of my marriage. At the same time, I've learned to listen to my heart a little bit more and not just shut out my heart, because having been raised in the church, uh, we're just told over and over again, you know, not, don't listen to your heart, just uh, you know, know what God wants you to do and, and o- obey. And that was really my point of reference, was uh, seeing God, what it appeared to be God working in, in setting us up, and wanting to obey God more than I wanted to even go with what my heart was saying. I, w- I felt like it was trusting God over trusting my heart, and I have since learned that so uh, that God actually speaks through our heart, mm. and um, that I could have listened to my heart. Now, now that you've gone through what you've gone through, um, has your perspective on your mom and dad's divorce changed at all? Um, no, I can't say so. I I left home when I was twelve. My family, my parents divorced when I was seventeen, and so um, I, I was on my own. And it really, it of course, divorce affects every child, no yeah. ma- no matter what. You were a little more independent, and you were out in the world, so to speak. Living in the house with your parents—that was not your entire world, like most kids. No, it did not. It didn't shake the foundation of my home right. because I brought the found, my foundation with me to California. That was really much more based on uh, on my relationship with God as, as my practical parent. You know, my uh, autobiography is entitled The Facts of Life and Other Lessons My Father Taught Me. And it's, I'm talking about God because uh, he was really, almost, was pretty much not all I had, but the most real relationship in my life. And I was very dependent on, on my relationship with him. And so uh, that, that foundation was solid. I was on a website the other day. It's called uh, www.lisawelchelisbackonthemarket.com. A lot of hits on no, that site. Uh, you're making that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that wasn't too creepy. Okay, turning 50. Yeah. Well, was that weird? Was that weird for you? Did it mess with you? You know, it really didn't. Oh. Um, I, um, it was just, it was it was a celebration for me. I, I, I love growing older. I love 
who I am today. And um, I just figure it's only going to get better. And I had set in my heart that at 50, I wanted to climb Mount Whitney with my friend Janice. <laughs> the only problem is you can have that spirit in your heart of, <laughs> of, hey, it doesn't matter how old you are. You can go climb a big mountain. And then your body goes, uh-uh, you're 50. And uh, I totally, I totally just... Totally messed up my feet in in training for the for the hike and couldn't actually end up doing it. In what? my heart, I don't feel fifty, but my body is speaking otherwise. Have you ever? This is what I want to do for for my fiftieth because yes, I'm younger than you. I want to do the El Camino. Oh, I do too. I, I've actually just researched that online. So let me know if you're getting putting a party together. <laughs> I'll see if I can get my feet together by then. Oh, please, please. Roma Downey uh, talks about her and Mark Burnett met in the beauty salon, and Mark was getting his hair done. And Mark says, yeah, and Roma was over there getting her bunions cut off. Kind of a gross, uh, you know, thing. But I, I, I wonder how much trouble he got into for actually saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. she chirped in pretty quick on the other line that that was not the case. Uh, did you see the movie The Way? I did. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. yeah. And that was actually pro- probably what uh, really got me excited about wanting to make that happen. Last year, I went out. I did a kind of a, a weird trip, and I went to Stonehenge, and I went to uh, Glastonbury and ha- and uh, met up with two of the world's leading witches. And then I went up and stayed at a Druid retreat center. And then I went up to Iona, the monastic Mecca in the Hebrides off the uh, west coast of Scotland. And then I went back across the continent to the other side and went to Holy Island. And, uh, wow, it was just a real head spinner, that whole trip. I guess so. Yeah. That just sounds like my idea of a really, really fun adventure. Yeah, it was it was quite interesting. All right, I've got two more questions for you, and we'll let you go. First of all, Wikipedia says that Lisa Welchel had asked to be written out of the episode called The First Time, which apparently somebody was getting some for the first time, and you were, you were the good girl from episode 9 of survivor and you said uh, i don't want to be part of that episode is that a true fact it is it is a true fact it was the uh second season of facts of life and um we had a meeting with all the producers and the writers and they informed us that you know we can't have a show about four girls and called the facts of life and not actually deal with that particular issue and that the logical character was for blair to lose her virginity that season and so um you know after the meeting I just went to the producers and just said, you know, I'm, I'm aware that there are a lot of young girls watching this show, and many young girls take their cues from television uh, celebrities and people they identify with on television, and I just can't take the responsibility because um, I, ultimately I knew that within 17 minutes and a couple of commercials, uh, Blair would have lost her virginity, and they would have all ended in a group hug and moved on to the next show. And you know what? It's bigger than that. Yeah. You know, as a father of a daughter, I'm really kind of glad you did that. You know, I don't hang out with prudes, but and I'm not saying, man, you know, I don't know if that was a prudish move or not. You know, people are looking at that kind of a move these days and going, really, really, you did that? What are you, Kirk Cameron? But I'm glad you did that because you just don't get it until you're father of a daughter. Let me tell you. Oh my goodness, let me tell you. So. Last question. Last question. And you may not have time for this, Lisa. So please just say, oh, I got to go cook some Pop-Tarts or something. But next on the show is Gavin McLeod. When was the last time you ran into Gavin McLeod? Oh, we used to go to the same church together. So, uh, but that was probably 20 years ago, maybe. Right. right. So he would, he would remember you. (laughs) 
Yes. Okay. Actually, I also did two uh, uh, cruises. Yes. Uh, and so I spent like four months on the high seas with him. Right. If you have time, and please please say, Drew, I don't have time. I have a life. Uh, we would love to put you on hold, get Gavin on the phone, and set him up. And I'm going to ask him about you, and I'm going to try to trash you. Ooh, I know, I love it. I know Gavin is the most positive person in the universe, so he probably won't trash you, but I'm going to try to get him to say something negative about you. Can you hang on for this? You are so mean. That's I a, knew I liked you for it, a reason. It's a spiritual gift. Yes. Okay. I can't pass it up. <laughs> okay. All right. Tim's going to put you on hold, and we'll be right back with uh, Lisa. Well, she a freshman year, but she still wears a little girl's dress. Hey, folks, I want to tell you about the Drew Marshall Show 1250 special. You ready for this? For 1250, that's right, only $12.50, we'll mention your organization's name, website, and a brief description. Did you catch that? During each show, we'll read out your organization's name, website, and a brief description for only $12.50. Now, obviously, there's no point in doing that only once during a four-hour show, so we'll read your advertisement four times per show for an entire month, and each time we do it, it'll only cost you $12.50. It's kind of like putting an advertisement up on every church bulletin in the GTA, except you don't have to get permission from that grumpy old lady at the front desk. Now look, because there are limited spots available for our 1250 special, why don't you call us right now, toll-free, on 877-JOY-1250. Now sure, we're right in the middle of things here in the show, but if you call us right now, toll-free, on 877-JOY-1250, we'll take your name and number and call you back on Monday to sign up for the Drew Marshall Show 1250 special. This is nuts. Are you sure we want to do this? How am I supposed to make any money?